Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. Well, hello, Chicago Tabernacle. It's so good to be here with you today. My name is Ricky. I'm the pastor of New Creation Church, and I am so honored to have this privilege to come and open God's Word with you. So let me rush to express my gratitude to Pastor Al Toledo, Pastor Chrissy uh, Toledo. Thank you so much for this opportunity to come uh, and break open the bread of life and to share a little bit about my story. Uh, as Pastor David said, when I landed here in Chicago in 2013, the very first church that I came to was the Chicago Tabernacle. And I was here on Sunday morning worshiping in Urban Park over at the old location. And man, the, the roar of the praise and worship just, uh, it did something to me. It was transformational. And of course, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed Tuesday night prayer meeting, the most important meeting of the week. So uh, I'm your brother, I'm your friend, and I'm just here to continue on in our series on becoming and also tell a little bit about my story of my process of becoming a church planter. So with that being said, would you join me in the book of Matthew? And we're going to start at verse, chapter 4, verses 18 through 22. The book of Matthew, uh, chapter 4, verses 18 through 22. I'll read it for you. It says, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And then he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. He called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Uh, for just a few moments, I would like to uh, title this message, Following Jesus. Friends, over the past few years, there have been more technological advances than the past 100 years, one of which being the invention of the smartphone. And it was only a matter of time before smartphones had cameras on the back of them. And then as they progressed, a camera on the front. Uh, this then created a phenomenon that has swept the entire world known as the selfie. Uh, the selfie is merely taking a picture of yourself. And people are doing everything that they can and have been for about uh, six years or so now to get the perfect image. To, to pose in the perfect lighting, uh, to get the perfect background, uh, to post on Instagram or other social media outlets to get the perfect number of likes. Even so that today there are one million selfies that sh show up or appear online every single 24 hours. And unfortunately, there are also about 300 deaths that occur because of people trying to get the perfect image. Well, as followers of Christ, you and I know that the only way that you and I can get the perfect image 
is from the image of God himself, the fact that we are created in the image of God. And so Jesus is the express image of the Father. So it could be said that Jesus is God's selfie. You see, it's the will of God that the sons and daughters of God would bear the image of God. Let me push rewind and play that again for you. It's the will of God that the sons and daughters of God would bear the image of God. So I like to say it like this. God's goal for mankind is to make us like his son Jesus. You need to understand that today as we move on in this series of Becoming because there, there's so much out there about our purpose and, and, and our goals and, and how we can have our best life now and be the best version of ourselves. If you're looking for God's plan for your life, here it is. I want to give it to you. God's goal for mankind is to make us like his son, Jesus. And so at our church, uh, every single ministry has to be filtered through this question. How will this make them like Jesus? So in other words, uh, there are a lot of things that we could get pulled to. There are a lot of initiatives that we could get excited about. There are a lot of things that could claim our attention. But if it doesn't make them like Jesus, we don't have to do it. Because God's goal for mankind is to make us like his son, Jesus. You know, there's a story that's told about a little boy that got his opportunity to go to the Hershey's Chocolate Factory in Hershey, Pennsylvania. And this little boy loved chocolate. And as he was walking through the factory, he looked around and he saw uh, more chocolate that he could possibly imagine. And, and they let him know, they says, listen, you are at the Hershey's factory in Hershey, Pennsylvania. This is all that Hershey has to offer. You have access to all of the chocolate here. All you have to do, little boy, is tell us what you want. And he said, are you serious? He says, yes. Everything that Hershey's has to offer is here. You are in Hershey, Pennsylvania at the Hershey's factory. All you have to do is tell us what you want. And he says, well, I want it all. They said, no, I don't, I don't think you understand. Just, just tell us, do you want a Hershey bar? Do you want a Hershey kiss? What, what do you want? He says, no, I want it all. And says, young man, I don't think you understand. You're at the Hershey's factory. This, this is more chocolate that you could possibly be able to ingest in one sitting. And so I tell you what, uh, here at Hershey, we have invented something called a Hershey's kiss. And everything that is in the chocolate in Hershey's is in this little kiss. We've been able to fit it in the Hershey's kiss. Friends, what I'm saying to you is, because Jesus Christ is the express image of the Father, the incarnation of Jesus Christ is our Hershey's kiss. In other words, that when we accept the Lord Jesus Christ into our life to be Lord over our lives, we have everything that he has to offer. We are to become his disciples. That's what we're to become. And in our text, we see a very specific term used. Jesus says to these fishermen, follow me. This was actually a rabbinic term. It actually had a very specific meaning. It meant something very uh, specific. It's a rabbinic term that literally meant 
follow me as your new devotion. This term meant, meant follow me as your new vocation. It, it, it's a full-time thing. Uh, in Jewish culture, uh, young men would used to uh, hope to get selected by a notable rabbi to be taught uh, the scriptures. And so sometimes a rabbi would come up to a, a young man and, and he would say, listen, follow me. And sometimes he would say, you don't make the cut. And sometimes he would say, follow me. And sometimes he would say, you, you don't make the cut. And see, here's why we know that this was a full-time thing. Because Jesus consistently says, give no thought for what you will eat or wear. Because most of us, when we think about becoming a disciple, we wrestle with self-preservation and how we will fund our income. You see, in Jewish culture, you would hope to get chosen by a notable rabbi. And sometimes they would accept you and sometimes they would reject you. But friends, I want you to know something today that Jesus Christ is the great teacher that never rejects. Oh, come here, David. David, a man after God's own heart, but yet still a murderer and still someone uh, who committed adultery. And yet Jesus never rejects. Oh, well, come here, Paul. Paul, uh, could you imagine Paul coming to try to get uh, a job application at a local church in America? And it's this man, you sure can preach and write, but I see something here about you being complicit in some murders. I, I don't know how the board would feel about you being a staff pastor at our church. Friends, this is the good news that Jesus never rejects. So the Bible gives their name and says in verse 18, they were fishermen. And isn't this like how it is in our society? Because occupation is often equal to identification. Oh, you know what I mean. You go to a social event, you take off your coat, you're halfway in the door and you get the question, so what do you do? You don't even know how to spell my name. And you're asking me, what do I do for income? Often, uh, identification is equal to, to occupation. And the disciples that Jesus called were no different. So part of what God wanted me to do in following him was to plant a new life-giving church, multi-ethnic, intergenerational expression of the kingdom of God in the High Park neighborhood of Chicago. And I'll tell you what I had to overcome. I had to overcome two things. I had to overcome fear, and I had to overcome shame. I was fearful because I didn't know if I could raise the amount of money needed to be raised to plant a church in an expensive city like Chicago. And I, and I was even filled with shame because uh, I, I, my name is going to be attached to this. People are going to know, what if this thing doesn't work out? Do you know that 50% of the churches that are planted don't make it to year one? And so I was wrestling constantly with fear and shame. But this is what the Lord was having me to overcome when he said to me, follow me. And I want you to plant a new life-giving church in the High Park neighborhood of Chicago. And our friends, I remember that day like it was yesterday on April 25th, 2017. I was at the Moody Church and I was listening to some church planners give their testimony about how they had said yes to the call, about how they were scared to death 
about launching a new church. And I told you what, I was convicted to my core. I was, I, I left that place. I put both hands on the steering wheel and tears were literally streaming down my face because I knew what God had called me to do. I knew where he had called me to do it, but I was not being obedient to the voice of God for one reason. I was afraid. And friends, I need to tell you something in this series on becoming. Here it is. To know God is speaking and to know what he's telling you to do and to not obey solely because you're afraid, that is sin. In the book of Revelations, it says, and the liars, the fornicators, the adulterers, the abominable, and the fearful or the cowardice. They all don't do too well, but in, in, our, in our culture, what we tend to think of is you've got the liar sitting there saying, hey, I'm not a murderer. He kills people. I just tell lies. And you've got the fornicator sitting there saying, hey, I'm not married to anybody. He is an adulterer. And then you've got me. You've got the fearful. Say, hey, I don't kill anybody. I don't sleep with other people's spouses. I'm just afraid. My brothers and my sisters, to know that God is speaking to you and to not yield to his voice solely because you're afraid, that is sin. So I ask you today, what do you have to overcome? Well, in verse 21, I believe it gives a picture into something that most of us have to overcome in order to become a disciple of Christ when Jesus tells us, to follow him. Verse 21, he says something very interesting. When Jesus found them, they were mending their nets. And this is the same thing that was being done by you and I when he found us, whether we realize it or not. You see, they are mending the apparatus of their old identity. You see, this was the old way that they found purpose. This was the old way that they uh, had it as a source of income. The Bible says that they were fishermen. And if we're honest with ourselves, when the Lord found us, many of us were mending our nets. We were mending the apparatus connected to our old purpose. Some of you right now, you're mending relationships that the Lord told you six months to get out of. Some of you right now are saying, if I could just get another certification or if I could uh, just get another degree. I was talking to my sister. Uh, she was in the Peace Corps. You're, you're mending a career. The Lord told you to leave. Some of us are desperately mending relationships and mending careers and mending things in our lives. They were mending the apparatus of their old purpose. See, God wants to take them from mending nets to netting men. So here's my piercing question for you today. Here it is. What are you mending that's preventing you from becoming? What are you mending in your life uh, as he approaches them and they, they're mending their nets and what do they do? They go from mending to dropping. What are you mending that the Lord is telling you to put down? God wants to take us from mending nets to netting men. You know, the process to launch a church here in the city of Chicago for us was about 15 months. 15 months of training, 15 months of traveling, 15 months of fundraising, 15 months of recruiting. The process to launch the church was 15 months, but the me process was five years. 
Five years of, of sometimes, yes, me mending my nets. How am I going to eat? How am I going to make it? Am I going to be poor? But see, what we've got to learn not to do is we've got to learn not to read too much into the silence of the text. Take the rich young ruler, for example. He, yes, he tells him, go and sell all that you have. If you want to follow me, where in the Bible does it say you're going to starve to death and be a vagabond and be homeless? It doesn't say it. Look at this passage of Scripture. He says, drop your nets and follow me. Where does he tell them you're going to starve to death, you're going to be homeless, and you're not going to have enough food to eat or clothes to wear? The Bible doesn't say that. So that's why we understand something about following Christ. And here it is. As we walk, he will work. You see, the point of our life is to point to Christ because he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. That means then that um, the outcome of discipleship is evangelism. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And if there's one thing that I think this pandemic is teaching the church, if there's one thing that's a principle that I feel the church in America needs to grab a hold to, here it is. If you're not fishing, you're not following. Because he says, follow me and I will make you Fishers of men. It, it shouldn't be true that, that all that needs to happen is we can't gather together on Sunday morning at the sacred hour of 11 o'clock and that we walk away from the Christian faith. No, that can't be true. Friends, if you're not fishing, you're not following. I want to invite some of you today to trade ritual for relationship. Because if you're not fishing, you're not following. See, the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all of these things I will add unto you. He says, he says, furthermore, that a city on a hill cannot be easily hidden. What is God saying? He's saying, I'll make you so blessed that you'll be an example of what it means to, to have my hand on your life. I, I can make you so blessed that people will see your good works and glorify my Father in heaven. And why is this? John chapter 15 tells us why. It says, so that you bear fruit and much more fruit so that people will glorify my Father in heaven. That's why. As the musicians come, I want to leave you with this truth. Here it is. Everyone who has left houses, brothers, Sisters, parents shall receive a hundred times more and inherit eternal life. Everyone who has left houses, brothers, sisters, parents shall receive a hundred times more and inherit eternal life. You know, in 2017, when we uh, set out, we went to this thing called an assessment. Church planner assessment is four days. It's like, can you imagine a, a holy waterboarding? It's like they x-ray your soul for four days. You have to preach a sermon. You have to give a philosophy of ministry presentation. Uh, you have to sit with a psychiatrist and a, or a psychologist. You have to interview with a board, and they ask you extremely personal questions about your marriage, everything from the bed to the bank account. They go there, and they want to make sure that you're okay to plant a new church. 
And I tell you what, after that, we launched out and we began to recruit launch team members and we began uh, to raise support. And I was so fearful every step of the way. But here's what I want to tell you. Right now, 70% of the people who are part of this church were not connected to a church before we launched. 70%. Can you imagine if when Jesus said, follow me, we said no? So I want to leave you with the final question today. And I want to invite you into a time of prayer. Here's this final question. If Jesus is God's selfie, why are you still yours? Why are you still mending your nets? Why are you still trying to pursue the image that you think is an occupation that will give you the identification that will bring notoriety? These, these disciples, it's important to note that they were not of great scholarship. They were not people of a certain societal status. These were ordinary blue-collar working fishermen, and Jesus would call them to follow him and literally turn the world upside down. I want to say to you today, it's time that you and I would be like Jesus. We would glorify the Father. What are you mending that's preventing you from becoming? Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you right now because somebody here today is wrestling with answering your call. Father, I thank you right now because somebody watching today is wrestling with fear and shame. God, I pray right now because somebody today listening to this message is still mending the old apparatus connected to their old purpose. They're feverishly mending a relationship you long said get out of. They're feverishly uh, mending a career that you said leave. They're feverishly mending uh, connections and, and different things that you long said leave. God, when you say follow me, it means to drop what we're doing and follow you. Discipleship automatically, intrinsically has built into it sacrifice. So God, I pray right now that every person watching this message would have the Holy Ghost boldness to walk away and to drop things that they are feverishly trying to maintain and to mend. God, I'm praying for the kind of boldness that will leave a man they can see for a man they can't see named Jesus. God, I'm praying for the kind of boldness that will leave six figures, that will leave societal status, that will leave educational accolades to follow you into the greatness that you have for them to be. Because God, we know that the point of our life is to point to Christ. So God, would you make us obedient servants? Would you anoint us? Would you place your hand on our life and give us an uncanny level of favor to open doors that no man can shut as we follow Jesus? In the matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.